Radio Shouty. I cut up the station. It's about that time for Fila. Most likely he a small fry if he was stamped by Beehive. It's one in one station only. They got the streets on fire. So please do not touch the dial. Cut with film and go live. What's happening, what's happening, what's happening? Of course you know it's your fault, Beehive Radio Shouty. And stepping in the building, I got an actor, comedian, rapper, all of that above. One of the coldest boys in the game right now as we speak, Carlos Miller. What's good with what's it, boss? What's happening, Man, happening? feeling good, feeling great. First of all, man, appreciate you stepping in this thing, boy. Bro, this is one of the shows that I watch all the time, oh, bro. I'm telling you, I've seen everything you, you do. So congratulations on all your success. I see you got plaques on plaques on plaques. <laughs> bro, I'm a fan. So I got to watch my, you got me on here. I got to watch this. <laughs> well, dog, speaking of fanning out, man, I ain't going to lie. I was at home with the wife watching TV and your comedy special came on. Word. And when I say me and her was in there crying, <laughs> I said, this nigga here is funny as hell. Man, I appreciate that one. Los, talk to me about the stand-up, and when did that comedy bug hit you, though, man? It's always been there. Okay. It's, it's like, it's always been there, and I, I officially started doing stand-up comedy in 2015 when I moved to Atlanta, right up the street, actually, mm. at this little spot called uh, Twisted Taco. Yeah. So they used to do Tuesday night open mic. That was the first one I hit, and then that just, that's what really lit the fire. What was the point that you realized that you was funny, though? Was you funny your whole damn life, the or was whole this time. A, Talk it, to me. It wasn't like, it wasn't that you just, like, realized that you funny. It's just like... <laughs> get to school yeah and then the teacher started like you know you get called on you think you're just doing normal shit and then the whole room start laughing yeah. you get kicked out of class and it's just like once you learn how to do it right exactly it take a while but yeah. by the time you get to about ninth, 10th grade you a whole ass comedian <laughs> <laughs> that's the damn that's truth real, man. now coming out of mississippi with it though man what was it like growing up in the silk and then, how the hell did you make the transition from Mississippi to Atlanta? So dig this. So Mississippi is just like, it's small. It's like living in a fishbowl. Everybody yeah. see everything. Everybody know everything. So it's just like, you don't get the, the luxury of a city where you can develop like a personality. Yeah. Because these are the people you've been seeing since you literally, the first time you went outside. Thanks. The first day of preschool. Yeah. All the way up to 12th grade. So it's like. You have to really be yourself because they don't mm -hmm. allow you to just like, nigga, we been knowing you. Who is this new motherfucker? So yeah. like that, and then you take it to a whole spot like Atlanta, and then you get the whole city experience. And mm -hmm. it's like more people than you ever seen in your life, more experiences, more things to do. It's just like take all your little small hometown values and then you apply that. <laughs> now you're killing them because it's just like it's certain values and morals and principles and codes that you have being a country boy. Certain Facts. You're never going to do. Facts. And then you get to see how it is and you get parlayed and make a whole new game out of it. So now I understand that you was a fireman at the time too, man. I done had some hell of five jobs, my boy. Talk to me what goes through your mind when you over here fighting fires and you thinking to yourself, I don't know if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. That's the thing about that job. The job gravy. Uh-huh. Until you have a fire. <laughs> I'm talking about this. It's a gravy-ass job. If you ain't got no fires, you really just sitting at the firehouse eating, yeah. chilling, answering the phone, you know, doing a little community stuff. Yeah. There's a lot going on. People pulling up and, can you keep my cat out It's real yeah. like that. And yeah. people drop stuff off at the fire department and stuff, but that just wasn't for me. First yeah. time I actually went in there, I was like, hell no. Shit. Hell no. But well, it wasn't the job that I quit. I quit at the fire academy. 
Because I, I knew if I stayed so there. So you the ain't whole, fight no real fires, dude? No, nah, that's the thing about it. You can go to fires and fight fires, but yeah. you have to go to Fire Academy exactly. to get your certification. Yeah. So I would go to Fire Academy all week and yeah. then I would work on the weekend oh. at that particular time. But the, the job wasn't even what what like made me quit or get out of the profession. It was being at the Fire Academy because... They like it was just one of them environments where I didn't think I was gonna make it out yeah. safely. Like they would have literally cooked a nigga down there, man. I was down there. It was five black dudes and two hundred white boys. I I just really didn't feel safe down there. Yeah, nah, every man was gonna make it out that building. Nah, yeah. So now you in the A, you started to pursue your comedy career, man. Yeah. What was that like in them early days, though, Los? Because I mean, from what I understand, comedy ain't no easy damn thing to just jump into. Nah. But so see, what the hell? Before I even went to my first show, it was just like I took that refuse to lose attitude. It was uh -huh. something that I really wanted to do because I was at my job mm -hmm. in the mall making people laugh all day. So yeah. me and my dog Clayton English, yeah. we, we found um, every spot that did comedy in Atlanta. I'm talking about every spot that did karaoke, every bar that did comedy, open mic night, and we wrote them all down. This is pre-high speed internet iPhone. This this 2005. Damn. So we wrote, we made a list of maybe a hundred spots. Uh -huh. and just went through, called them all, pulled up, see who still had it, and then you know that list went from a hundred to twenty five active to fifteen that's active, and it was like we took, we made that list and we just stuck to it. Went to open mic night for probably every night for about two, three years. Okay, growing that fan base though, Carlos, because I mean, starting from zilch in this thing and taking it up to millions, how the hell did you do that? It's still in progress. Ooh. I'm talking about, you'll do something like, like say for instance, I did like that Boogie, that Boogie uh, Cousins comedy special. Yeah. That's 15 years later. It'll still be people who'll come up to me and be like, boy, you done came a long way from yeah. throwbacks on Old National. And I'm like, you mean to tell me I'm all the way in Oakland, California, and there's people who used to come see me at the sports bar. Oh, that's or, dope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or at the Crow's Nest. Yeah, oh, just, the Crow's you know Nest. Like, those are the little spots that just like, that validate you to the street side like a rapper would be Exactly. People be like, okay, yeah, I seen you at the Phillips Arena. Yeah. But I, I, I did see you on Camerton Road, too, at the little, at the little wing spot. Come too. on. So you really do comedy. Exactly. You know, Atlanta, the type of city where it's like, they don't care about your accomplishments. Yeah. Like, can we put our hands on Exactly. Do we, where he get his wings exactly. at? I ain't never seen <laughs> nigga on seen Camp Creek before. I gotta see you. You know what I'm saying? Come on. They, they gotta be able to see. Okay, so now you at places like the Crow's Nest, Getting your Frozen Palace. Frozen Palace. I mean, so you all up and down Old National. Yeah, okay, yeah. get busy. Yeah. East what, side, all that. What was that like just cutting your teeth in there, man, and them early, you know, just practicing and perfecting your craft, man? Bruh. It was, it's one of those things where, like, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. Because people think shit's sweet in Atlanta. Because they hear a lot of rap music and they see a lot of videos. <laughs> They ain't never been on the east side at school. Yeah, yeah. Well, nigga came out to shoot pool on Wednesday. Yeah. And take it girl out. And, and then you got to tell them to be quiet while they try to have a comedy show. And they ain't never even thought about <laughs> having no comedy show. It's going to take you three weeks just to get them to be fans. But once they fan, they're going to be like, hey, bro. Exactly. Cool it out. Let little buddy them do what exactly. they do. You know what I mean? So it's like. You can't trade that experience. Thanks. But like I said, it's just all about being out there touching them people. And that's how you build that fan base. They Thanks. don't care about what you was on. They want to know if you come to the hood. Do you still do this? Can we see you? 
Nigga, I'm watching the BET Awards and the 85 South show is hosting that thing, man. I mean, come <laughs> on, Lowe's. Come on, man. You had scores to your the BET Awards. And that's exactly that's exactly what validate the BET Awards. Who you think gonna be the biggest supporter? Come on. Who like, boy, I, hey, I told y'all to do that, boy. Come on. We knew you could do that shit when you when you were fucking around. Exactly. Boy, we, now you done took that <laughs> shit to a whole nother level. You feel me? Exactly. I don't wanna see you over here no more. These niggas over here, they don't, bro. Exactly. You know, it's, it's now those are facts, nigga. And it's like once you build that type of fan base, you'll never have to worry about nothing. Because them the people who gonna protect you and make sure you good and say, "Hey, lo, y'all might not need to be in here." Exactly. That's, that's the real, and we don't see a lot of that, but it's out there. You damn right. Going back and forth to Mississippi, man. What the fam saying when you touch down and they see where you over here handling things and having things and pushing. Having your way in this motherfucker. But see, that's the thing about comedy, though. It's it, it's the slowest grind for an entertainer. Yeah. It takes so much for your people to be like, oh. <laughs> oh, this ain't just some shit. You do, you do this. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it take a while to, like you said, build your fan base up, to get your money up, to get your yep. show game up. So so until you get to that level where they, where they can actually see something that you're not showing them, yeah. then they'll be like, okay. Oh, all right. What was that point for you, though, Lowe's, where you was thinking to yourself, okay, I'm making headway in this thing, man, and I'm actually going somewhere with this? It didn't take much. I got um, I got on this TV show. I don't know if people remember when Robert Townsend moved to Atlanta. Mm. He had bought this this uh, TV channel called the Black Family Channel. I know what you're talking he about, Partners back, in Crime. He brought back Partners in yeah. Crime. And you know, back in the day, that was the one. <laughs> That was the one that could get you up out of here. I'm talking yeah. about Damon Wayans, Robin Harris, all all the greats had a Partners in Crime. Come on. So when he, when I made it on Partners in Crime, I yeah. quit everything. I ain't had a job since Partners in Crime. What? Yeah, that okay, was so now we're talking about Robert Townsend, Mr. Hollywood Shuffle, okay? Five Heartbeats writer. What was it like being around that guy, and what game did you soak up from him? Oh, this is the coldest Robert Townsend story I got, right? Give it to me. Not even that. From not from not even from when we did the uh, black the um, the Black Family Channel. I was in L.A. one night at the comedy store, just mm -hmm. chilling by myself. Robert Townsend just walks up. We just chopping it up. I'm like, yeah, man, I've been a fan, bro. You ducked from the fire heart. You one of the coldest, bro. I'm talking about Hollywood stuff. Come bro, on. We, and it was like. I was start kicking game to him, and then somebody walked up. Was like, "Hey, man, it's Robert Townsend. Let me get a picture." He was like, "Hold on, one second. I'm talking to my man." And I was like, <laughs> "Ain't nobody record that." <laughs> but it's just like once you get to work with them legends. Like, I one time I was working on this movie with Cat Williams, like at Aaliyah's uncle's house. <laughs> him and Charles S. Dutton. They did a movie about like first black president. Yeah. So, bro, Charles S. Dutton rock. Whoa, whoa, pulled us to the side and was giving us real actor game. I'm like, man, you can't pay for this type of shit. So you had them little moments like that that really. What the hell was going on on that set? You got Cat Williams and, and Rock. Rock. And then there was a few more people popping in and out. And it was just, it was just crazy, man, to go from, like you said, to go from throwbacks, scores on the east side, Friday night. Then you wake up and you were, you know, two of the biggest in the, in the game. But see, you also like to go on tour with Mike Epps, though. Yeah. I mean, what is that like? Bro, this Mike Epps is one of the funniest people i ever seen yeah. in real life. You get what I'm saying? So it's just like for him to say, 
You one of the funniest people out there. I fuck with, and I want you on this tour. I'm like, nigga, it's no break. <laughs> you know, it's like that ain't even a money play. It's exactly. Just, that's I sit back and study yeah. just to be like, all right, this is this is this the next level. Mm-hmm. When you get to that, all right, cool. So it's just man, I, I feel just, you. I feel court. you. I don't never stop peeping game. Okay, so. Where did you get the most game, though, Carlos? Out here in these streets just trying to figure it out. What was some of the game that helped you to elevate your shit to a whole nother level each time? One thing that I really learned is there ain't no right or wrong way to do nothing. Mm. You get what I'm saying? It's, yeah. You just trial and error. And the more times you do the trials and the more errors that you have, yeah. the better you become. Mm-hmm. A lot of people be scared to try shit. Yeah. Like, as entertainers, we get put in such a small box. Like, yeah. The moment that, that, like, whatever you did that made them love you at that moment, that's all a lot of people want to see you do. So you got to take chances and you got to take risks. I didn't just go to the hood spots or, you know, the wing spots. I went where the white people was going. Yeah. I went where the, where the uh, you know, the LGBT crowd was yeah. at. I try, I wanted to see how many different platforms I could be funny on. I went to the we, Apache Cafe where it wasn't even no comedian. It's just, it's just all spoken <laughs> words. Yeah. It's all natural incense. This, then yeah. I went where the weirdos was at, the skateboarders. And then I went to, the, I went up north to Agworth where it was a bunch of rednecks. And yeah. they don't want you in their club. <laughs> but until you, you go up there, you make all of them laugh. And they say, well, hell, when are you coming back up here? <laughs> You can come up here whenever you want to. Damn. So I, I really just, I tried everything, man. Okay, so now you find yourself on Wildin' Out, man. You on TV with it. What mm. was that like when you first touched the TV screen? You on there with Nick Cannon and the boys and y'all going crazy. That's it. Wildin' Out was the perfect combination of everything we just been talking about. It, was, it was enough education it was enough street it was enough hood it was enough entertainment it was just like a college for comedy my god being around all these different personalities and finding your spot finding how to make it work then you competing with 20 25 people at a time so it's like if you run out there it might not be but 20 30 seconds but you better bring that shit and then this is a live crowd you go up there and you do two jokes that don't work. I don't give a fuck how good you are. I've seen wilding out the audience. When the audience shuts you off, it's like, ooh, ain't nothing you can do to bring them back. Ooh. It gotta be big. So it's like a lot of people don't understand that the live show is totally different from what you see on TV. Exactly. Like the energy don't even cross over to the from the TV show to the to the live experience. Damn. So it's like when you watch Wilding Out, you only get to see like Maybe two thirds of the show. Yeah, and then you know you got to make it fit in the in the format of a TV show. Exactly. So it's definitely dope. We shoot that show for like two hours at a time, and then they have to try to trim it down to a TV twenty five minutes. Yeah, so think of all the stuff that you haven't seen, and then oh you know God. working with Nick. This dude has been successful in everything that he's done, from acting to comedy to. Music, whether yeah. people like it or not, it's still he did it. Still a platinum selling artist, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Come on. And then it's like when you working with a dude who liked that, who got his hands in a lot of production, who's got a lot of like shows, and you know a whole lot of things going on. It's just like you could just peep him and be like, "How how we gonna be tired if he gonna leave here and go Ooh. work on a whole another show?" Shit. Like you mean to tell me he could do a whole day of this and then go work on the Mad Singer? 
or a drum line too. It's like it really make you elevate your grind and be like, if this what you want, it's still other stuff that go with it. Exactly. Like your grind don't never stop. He could have easily just, you know, took the show and and just been satisfied with yeah. it. But he just kept going and kept creating and then to have somebody like that that you can hit with an exactly. idea or just to get some game, it's that's it's a million dollars right there. When you left and came back, man, what was that experience like during that time when you took your hiatus? <laughs> I love the way you put that. I'm a player. Bro. I'm a player. <laughs> <laughs> you ever broke up with a chick that you really like and find out that she was really real? You were like, like, hold up. You, you fuck with me like that? <laughs> I thought, okay, all right. Yeah. It was just crazy to see that I had that kind of love. Yeah. And it ain't have nothing to do with nothing. Just, you know, when the fans said that, when the fans stood up and said, nah, that's our dude. Come Gotta on. Gotta bring him back. That shit felt so good. Come on now, Carlos. Yeah, it's just like, who knew? Well, hold up. <laughs> Let me get in here one more time. Because, see, folks be on platforms all the time, Los. Right. And folks get cut off of platforms all the time, Los. Right. And the fans would be like, I'm glad that nigga gone. Or the fans would be like, oh, he ain't on the show no more? So for them to raise Kane and say that, hey man, we need Carlos back in the mix. How, what did that really do for the Carlos spirit in this hey, thing, man? man. <laughs> I'm gonna cry some thug tears. That what you wanna hear? Yeah, it touches touch thug, it touches thug hard. Cause I, you know you take that type of shit in stride when yeah, you entertain, yeah. you're like, look, shit, I just gotta go out here and create some more opportunities. <laughs> you know, it's just, that ain't what God wanted for me right now. You know, uh, well, as soon as one don't close, another one gonna open. You know, just gotta keep your faith. You know, that ain't nothing but an opportunity. It's time to graduate. <laughs> And then the fans were like, hold up, bro, you ain't finna graduate now. Get back in here. Nah, but it, it really touched me, man, to know that I had reached that many people and I didn't know that it was that much love. So yeah. shout out to all them people who did that. Them, exactly. Because the people who made the decision, they heard them voices and they felt the impact of people saying, you know, the whole crew and cast. And when I went back, man, this one I knew that shit was real. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever gonna believe that this is true. First time I get back on set, like the mm -hmm. day I'm coming back, don't none of my castmates know I'm even coming back. Oh, so look, when the three white dudes who worked the cameras, when they ran up to me and like circled around me and started crying, <laughs> for real, nigga. No, nah, for real, because we got this one. It's this one camera dude, man. My boy Skip, crazy long, long hair white dude, tall, skinny. So he always be like on the front, man. When he ran up to me and he grabbed me and he picked me up and he was, I was like. Hey man, <laughs> y'all going somewhere with all this love, bro? But that's what man. Yeah, I'm talking about man, security guard. Just, like, just getting all this love when I get back on set, and then I go, I go back to the trailer. I still ain't seen none of my castmates. Oh, so I go back there, put the little ski mask on. They don't have no idea because I ain't, I ain't told nobody. Yeah. I ain't talked to nobody all day. So they bring me out, and I rip the mask off. Do it. <laughs> See, you just all dramatic. In the way that I do it, and I had the mad the ski mask on. It was so dramatic the way it hit Nick in the face. It was all like. <laughs> so my castmates run up and shit, and then it was just we took it and, and made it a classic episode, man. My God, yeah, because just like I said, it's not like. It wasn't nothing that I did. Yeah. Or it was no incident where they could be like, man, you know they might let your boy go. Yeah. It was just random as hell, like, you ain't fucking with him. Damn. And then everybody like, man, what Lowe's do? Exactly. And then they saw how like, 
the atmosphere changed. They don't they don't understand your value. Like a lot of these networks and companies and people that you be in business with, they don't understand your value if they don't see it for themselves. They they not they don't know that you the one that got this person and that person in the room to collab. They don't get what you they don't know what you say or what you do when they not looking. My or God. what position that you play that's important to everybody in this the group. The glue. You get what I'm saying? Come on. Like, the gorilla glue. The gorilla glue. Shit. <laughs> so now we look up. It's all love in the club. Yeah. Everything's back smooth selling. Because it was never, that's what I'm saying. It was never, no, it was never no riff. It but, was just like they broke some names on the board and was just like, him. <laughs> <laughs> I see, nigga. I done been there, so I told. I totally understand what you're talking right. about. I done, I done been there, but now everything's back smooth selling, and then this time they threw Nick's name on the damn board. Hey man, it just let you know it's a vicious cycle. Oh my God, what went through your mind when you found out stuff was coming to a screeching halt? It wasn't no shock to me. You gotta keep in mind. Oh, this you done that. Done that. <laughs> I showed up like I told y'all. Y'all thought y'all was safe. Y'all thought y'all was safe. What, what they gonna refire me? I've been there before. I'm already good. I knew what was gonna happen. I was talking big shit. Mm. But then I, I know Nick. And I know the way white people respond to him. I yep. know that them people wasn't mad at dude for real. My God. It wasn't that he made a bunch of folks mad. He made somebody mad. Yeah. And that's what happened, bro. You only get to do so much in this box as a black man. It don't matter who you are. When they see you doing something that they ain't necessarily up on or agree with, they have to do, they have to separate themselves from that. Because everybody got a job at the end of the yeah. day. Everybody act like they real important. Yeah. But at the end of the day, everybody working for somebody. Come on. And Come you got to make sure that you don't say the wrong shit. That's the scariest part about being in this business is we say shit. That's your job to say that shit. And that's what I'm saying. If you're in the business of saying shit, you're not always going to say the right shit. And to be great, you got to say some crazy shit sometime, too. Exactly. In a way that people can't accept it. Come on. Come on. So now, they tried to keep the party going without Nick, but y'all boys said, we ain't doing that. Mm -mm. Talk to me about keeping it trill. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? See this the this the worst part about it. It's a good thing and a and a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It's like we've been working with Nick for so long. Notice I said with it, not for. Come on now, because he ain't never he ain't never tried to sun nobody or say I'm the boss. I do this. This the way shit go. It's like yeah. now that we have this kind of relationship, it's like no, because yeah. that's family. Like. We had a point in our career where, it's like you say, all the things and it's, it's access, and we don't necessarily need this. Exactly, we want this. Exactly, and it's, you're not about to change that. That's this man's shit. Exactly. We in the business of trying to create our legacy right now. Facts. That's his legacy. How you gonna take his shit and put somebody else on it? It won't look right. It won't feel right. It won't read right it's not right exactly <laughs> right is right and wrong is wrong bro so now the 85 south show man all the way right first of all y'all came out of nowhere and dominated the motherfucking internet really y'all just said move the fuck out the way behind we in this bitch <laughs> i said hold on niggas <laughs> talk to me about putting that show together and when you realized that it was going to fuck down 
This is when I realized it was going to go the fuck down. I love media. Mm-hmm. I like to watch interviews. I yeah. like to peep game and listen to people drop jewels. Yeah. I watch your show. Appreciate we don't. It. This You have a lot of entertainers, mostly rappers and people in the music industry. Yeah. You don't have nobody that's talking to the to the comedians. There ain't no platform where the comedians can be wild and just mm. walk in there and we can freestyle or we could just talk shit about whatever we want to. Exactly. We needed it. So, you know, Jamie Foxx laid the whole groundwork for any type of thing like this when he did that Foxhole radio. Yeah. So I always give him a salute and a shout because when I was driving trucks, that's what I used to watch. Exactly. Yeah. So we needed a platform where we could interact and be cool with these people that you know that we've seen in, in the come up and the rappers that we know. And it's like on Wild and Out, it's like they try to keep it separate, but it's like, you know, this is my real partner. I, I knew him before <laughs> this. This I, he called me this morning. Exactly. Know? So it's like we needed our own space where we could be ourselves. Cause yeah. like you said, it's me, Chico, and DC. It's yeah. three different personalities. And that's why. Our show has been successful because we three different people headed in the same direction. Ooh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like it, it was we would never fall out and never have no clash because we not trying to do the same things. We got exactly. the same goal. Come on, and that's why it's been working. Talk to me when you start to see that fan base growing again, though, man. You done created this new platform. That 80 vibe is a motherfucker too. Oh, yeah. Okay, so don't get it fucked up. I understand now. That 80 vibe is a motherfucker too. Right. But the 85 South show goes crazy. Then you bring in the 80 vibe. What is it like seeing that thing grow up? Like I, I like to call it a manifestival, okay? <laughs> You're sitting there thinking to yourself, you know what? Comedians and people alike need a platform to kick shit exactly. and have a good time. I think I'm going to bring this to the game. That started up here though. Right. Now it's up in here. Right. So what is that like seeing that transition from thought conception to reality? It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing because like you said, the average the average two or three people who having a conversation is dropping some hellified ideas. Everybody got million dollar ideas, but when you can find the right team that you could be around who ain't gonna just let you waste this shit. Oh my like god. You're saying great shit. We gonna really do this. And then from you, like you said, to go from the thought to the conception, to actually seeing it work, is I don't even know the words to tell you, man. Talk to me about the business of it all, though, man, because see, as you can see, and as I can see, the game is kind of changing, Carlos. Yeah. We used to have to be a part of big corporations to feel this good. Mm-mm. Now you just gotta wake up in the morning and get busy. But see, now, if you like you said, if you getting busy enough, the big corporations, they wanna get in with you. Facts. They want some. They want. They won't be high to drink a Pepsi. They, you know what I'm saying? They, they, they want to know what's in their red cup. The people Come who on. make them red cups, exactly. like exactly. You Appreciate like red you. Cups? Exactly. We see you got a hundred thousand subscribers now. It, it ain't gonna be a lot. Yeah. But you will never buy another red exactly. cup in your life. So <laughs> that's the. That's kind of like. Not even necessarily the money play. It's yeah. just when you can see that people that you want to be in business with, when they can reach out to you and they see what you're doing and they see you got hats and they see you, you know what I mean? It's like the stuff you're spending money on when they come back and spend money with you, whatever the amount is, just to be recognized. Uh, I would say uh, people like the Atlantic, Atlanta Hawks, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, when you look up and you just got to ring the bell and let folks know it's time for the Hawks to play. What was going through y'all mind when y'all got that? It was, it's still, it's, <laughs> it still ain't set all the way in. Yeah. yeah. 
Because it's like, I mean, you look at our logo. Clearly, yeah. that's a play on the Braves. <laughs> we represent the city. Exactly. So when, the, so when the Braves be like, hey, man, y'all need to switch that up just a little bit. <laughs> and then for the Hawks to be like, no, they don't. Ooh. They need put do one for hours. Shit. But that's just dope to be like, recognize that's what pressure. you're doing. And then it's, you're putting out a product and you're reaching different corners of Outside of Atlanta, but exactly. you're still promoting and putting Atlanta on. They like, damn, when I come to Atlanta, I gotta go here. You gotta stop I gotta there. What's that spot y'all said y'all was eating at? I'm gonna stop through there. <laughs> so it's like to have that platform, and you got millions of people coming through. But at the end of the day, it's all Atlanta. Yeah. So now, when you decided to hit them with the '85, though, I mean, break that down to gotta have some vibes, man. Come on, we got man. so many friends in the music industry, and it's like. I don't even know the, the, the verbiage to put it in. It's like they wanna they wanna exchange talents. <laughs> like I fuck with your comedy. Let me exactly. Show, and I know you fuck with my music. Let me show you how I do this shit right Exactly. Quick. You know what I mean? We're just taking advantage of the studio space that we got and we're trying to give a different look. Yeah. Trying, you know, just yeah, our partners and them something to do and a place where they can come through and say, you know what, I ain't never performed this on live. I like how that shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what that's for. But see, don't get it fucked up, Carlos. You like the 80 vibe yourself, sir. Yes, sir. You know, I was on Instagram rolling by my dog Nitty Beats page, and I just see you and that motherfucker going in. <laughs> I see you and that motherfucker going in. I said, wait, man, those are the big going in. Bro, if anybody would tell you, like, when I was doing comedy uh -huh. in the city, I was going to Celebrity Sunday every Sunday at Uptown. Shout yeah. out to Nard. And the whole Celebrity Sunday crew. So anybody would tell you, halfway through my set, they, they'll be like, maybe i do 10 minutes. Then yeah. be like, all right, spit one loose, <laughs> kick the freestyle off. So it's free, like, that's always been in my repertoire to yeah. just like do a, do a whole set and yeah. then at the end just freestyle about everything I just told a joke about. How do you feel about the music, though, man? Because, I mean, I, too, have a love for uh, music. Don't get it fucked up. I mean, everybody all of us got in jail. It's in, it's in everybody. Yeah. So how do you feel when you got that beast in the back of your head just say, you know, I want to come to the front, nigga. You over here cracking a joke, nigga, but I really want to goddamn Man, boss. it's shit. It's just like sitting here looking at that 10 billion streams right there. Yeah. It's just it's unreal. Yeah. Because, you know, it's hard as hell to get people to love you for one thing. You get what I'm saying? And then Come when on. they start requesting other stuff, it's Ooh. still so surreal to me, man. The love that people show and the things and the references and the and the the jokes that stick with these people. I, mm. I be on stage amazed like, bro, the shit that y'all laugh at. And I know if somebody else was giving it to you, you wouldn't laugh at yeah. it the way you laugh at it. Like, I don't like scrolling Instagram no more. <laughs> Why? All them memes, every yeah. damn near every meme. <laughs> I put that on my mama, my right hand to God. That I swear, ninety percent of the memes I see be like, that's from my Memphis show. Are you serious? That's from my other show. Damn! I promise you, all them little, all I them know what little. You're Okay, so now we got to talk about intellectual property, man. And you got all of this game flying out your damn head. How do you feel when you can't? Lock it all the way down and niggas keep on running off on the plug. Nay, hey man, they'll never run off on the plug. As long as you the plug. Yeah. You know what I mean? We live in a in an era where that shit don't even matter no more. Yeah. It don't. They don't care who the who it came from. Mm -hmm. They just wanna use it. 
And it's just like, I, I wish I did get paid by the joke. Every time one went viral, Ooh. they just sent you a check. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be all the damn change. Right. But I guess it's like, as an artist, that's kind of what you want, too, yeah. to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, you want motherfuckers to know your lyrics or know your song. Mm. But you don't want a motherfucker to go perform your song. <laughs> That's a whole different ball game now. I, I, I appreciate the appreciation, but don't be disrespectful don't with disrespect it. Right. <laughs> By God. So now, okay, Los. And it's like, they'll fucking, to the point where they'll say something or put something on social media and they know exactly where, where it came from. But then yeah. it's like, that's cool, but don't act like you don't fuck with me. That's the Ooh. crazy part. Like, Ooh. nigga, don't act like you don't fuck with me. Don't be tweeting my shit if you don't even follow me. Ah! Don't be posting that shit if you don't fuck with me like that. I feel that. that. Like, fuck with I me. feel that. Yeah. I feel that. I mean, just that, that's just respect, man. Right. Just put some respect on it. But see, that's what a lot of like the fans don't understand. Like, yeah. it's okay to be a fan of a nigga. It don't cost shit to show a nigga some love. Come on. And that's the that's what makes a star. The way people respond to you. Exactly. You know what I mean? You ain't gonna be able to go close no no deal like of significance and they like, well, I mean, you have the content, but the people don't <laughs> fuck with you. <laughs> You'll never hit 10 billion if the people Come don't on. fuck with you. So now Los, we done talked about your rise to power. But during that time, man, them dog days, did you were there ever any times where you felt like this shit ain't gonna happen for me and I'm just in this motherfucker treadmilling? Nope. Talk to this me. This how I knew. This how I knew that this comedy shit was, it ain't nothing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. When my mother passed away, my New God. Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, I'm on my way to a show and I got the call that my mother passed away. I'm turn that mic like that at the bottom. I had got the call that my mother passed away, but I'm in the two hour window of Showtime. Shit. So wait a minute, you telling me you about to do a damn show. New a big like New Year's Eve and comedy shows, like the New Year's Eve show is always a big one. Yeah. People want to bring the new year in laughing. Yeah, exactly. So like, I'm I'm in the window of showtime. Mom pass. Go through that and do the whole show. Standing ovation. Oh my and then god. And it's just like as soon as I get off stage, bro, it was like I was so weak I couldn't walk. But I done performed and got a standing O and Gave these people everything, but it was like soon as soon as I walked off the stage, I was like, "Whoo, is this real?" Yeah. So that's when I knew that it wasn't it wasn't something I had to remember or something that I had to try to do. It's like I walked on stage and I just was on autopilot. So then I was like, "Ain't gonna get no worse than this. It ain't yeah. nothing that I can't do after that." Facts, right? When Mama passes, man, and you have to go on to keep on piping up and turning up. How does that impact you, man, when you want to show mom that look what your damn son did? She already knew. Oh. She already knew. Oh. Like, when you look back, I, I hate that it takes something like as far as losing something. Yeah. Or losing somebody for you to realize that it was always right there. Like, my mom always pushed me to be a comedian. Damn. Or, or to explore being a comedian. Like, what? she used to, we used to always watch comedy or listen to comedy like Steve Harvey, like Steve Harvey, that one with him in the yellow suit. Yeah. Like that's gonna always forever be a classic to me because mm-hmm. that's the one me and mama used to watch. Yeah. Them, Steve, uh, them Ricky Smiley prank calls. She, CDs, she used to bring them to the crib. <laughs> like she used to always bring me classic comedy. And I never, I always knew like that was our bridge, the laughter. Exactly. Well, you know, that was our bond. But I never knew that she was the whole time like, my son could be a comedian. Damn. My son could be a comedian. 
I know this. Go listen to this in your room. You ever heard this? Like, you know what I mean? Like bringing me these classic vinyl. Did you know that she knew? I ain't know. Oh my god! But just like that's exactly what I've been saying. Yeah, like, it's like like I felt it. Oh, that crazy! That comp, you don't never get that confirmation. Yeah, man. you never get that confirmation, and then it's just like I still get excited. Yeah. You might call for a show, or such such hit me, or they want to work with me, or they, you know what I mean? Anything that involves me telling jokes and making people laugh, any opportunity, still to this day that I get, it's still. I still be up all night like nigga tomorrow. <laughs> oh, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. I'm telling you, dog. Okay. Tomorrow is going crazy. It's gonna be me and then oh boy. I got a question though, Carlos. See, you like to perform in front of these big ass crowds and shit like that, man. Now that shit got crazy. I didn't. I didn't plan that part. Okay. I did not plan that part, bro. I'm telling you. Them, those big ass arenas and theaters, <laughs> I already know where you're going with this shit. That, I don't know what happened with that. We started doing these shows. We started our first Live 85 South show at Smith's Old Bar for 200 people. <laughs> Anybody who was there would tell you we had people lined up sitting on the floor, but everybody came and it was like, can't do it here, this is too small. And then we was like, we gotta take this to the comedy club. The comedy club too small. We gotta do five shows at the comedy club. That ain't. Okay, we'll try this little, we'll try this little theater. Shit, we'd have sold out 1,500 seats and we ain't even posted none. All right, we gotta do two more shows. Oh, fuck it, we can't keep, the, all right, we gotta take it to the arena. It's just like everywhere we went, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and dropping the content and the views was going up. And then we found out <laughs> this person that reposted and it's just, it's crazy because if you looking at these numbers on YouTube, and then DC will hit me and be like, man, Drake just hit me and said he loved this episode. And then we go meet with Diddy. And then Diddy is, he he, he picking out specific jokes from oh my deep God. in the episode. He's like, Los, I love the one where you was talking about your cousin. Work. I was like, that's not one that you can skim by. You had to be deep off in there to catch these. And then Diddy dropping like all these favorite episodes. I'm like, who is playing this shit for this nigga? <laughs> <laughs> what are you playing this shit? <laughs> but see, I'ma say this though. Cause see, folks like to think that they don't nobody have no time to watch nothing, but they do got time to watch Bruh. greatness. Bro, when you get around Ooh. certain people Ooh. and you start to see come on how in touch they are come on is crazy but like, they're in don't touch know. with greatness greatness they're not in touch with regular shit my no, nigga now, no. somebody out there pooting outside and don't like give a fuck about that mm -hmm. but when they see niggas out here being great they got to stop and say all right let me see why these niggas is so goddamn great <laughs> and then they're like oh shit this shit <laughs> This making me laugh a little bit. Then they're like, this nigga's great as fuck. Right. So now you got to, niggas got to goddamn be a part of that shit. Right. Who has come to you and admired your work that shocked the shit out of you? Probably shocked by all of them. But like I said, probably the biggest one be like Diddy, mm -hmm. Dallas Austin, mm -hmm. J Prince. Busta Rhymes, my God, Fiend, and that nigga Fiend. For all these people that I used to just ride to school to. How but does like, that feel when you look up and you realize you amongst these people and you don't even remember not even being? It's like how the fuck did you get here? But you here. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> just like you said, you be. I sit there and I'm like, nigga, do you know how fucking great you are? 
Do you know? Come on. Nigga, this was my one. This well, you know when I was on my way to high school. <laughs> exactly. And I was my senior year. I'm we rode that. Exactly. Like, Just to be in the room with them and then for them to hear how that shit that they did impacted you and not even knowing that. Nigga, that the shit that I'm this the shit I'm telling you right now, how great you are, yep. is the reason why I'm standing here right here with you. You get what I'm saying? Come it's on. Like, you know what it was like, nigga. I was I was outside for the nine nine in the two thousand. That was the height of blackness for me. Come on. I don't think niggas ever lived that great Come for them. On. The nine nine two thousand. I was there with you. Two for eighty nine. Come on. Throw a ten dollar white t shirt on that. <laughs> Some Jabal. What? Come on. Now this is my other question though. You doing these arenas and stuff, but man, talk to me about the confidence that it takes to do this stuff, man. Because I mean, a lot of niggas out here just scared though. Los I don't they, know why? But because it's called, you know, public speaking is the number one fright or fear of every human being. Nobody wants to speak in public. So, was this something that came natural to you, or yeah. is this something that you built up? I ain't never been been shy of no shit like that. That's why I told you I always felt like <laughs> this was just. This was a natural progression for me. Mm -hmm. I'm from the project, man. Mm -hmm. I'm real project. Eastview Projects in Oxford, Mississippi. My I'm already God. from one of the poorest states in the United States. And then to come from the projects of the poor. Nigga, how poor was I? <laughs> I'm, in oh. the, I'm in the poorest <laughs> project. <laughs> so it's like, that's what I come from, though. One way in, one way out. Horseshoe type setup where it's like, you all, whether you speaking in public or not, Everybody know what you talking about. I'm from a small, small, small community in Oxford, Mississippi. It ain't one person in my city that I don't know. You get what I'm saying? So it's like everything you said was kind of public because they knew what you was talking about. Yeah. One of the things that I say, though, about coming out of projects and just humble uh, beginners in general, I find that people have post-traumatic stress to poverty. Mm. How do you deal with saying I'm never going back there again. Man, how do you deal with it? Yeah, mentally, because you're trying to move forward, but then you're making money, but then you're like, I got to make more money because I never want to go back there again. Anybody who's ever been from the hood that ever had any type of money will tell you about the, the internal guilt that you feel. Yeah. Just by having and knowing <laughs> the people, you know, knowing what that amount of money means to where you come from. Exactly. So it's like you, you do feel a slight guilt mm -hmm. where you be like, well, damn, I'm, do I really need to spend all this on me? <laughs> you know, I want to you work for it. Right. I want to help. But then you start to notice that it's like some situation, not, no amount of money could help. Yeah. And it's just like you, how much of your blessing are you, you know, you don't want to mess your blessing up trying to be somebody else's blessing. Mm -hmm. You just have to, it's, it's, it's stressful, my dog. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially trying to, you know, coming from where you coming from and then you knowing what can happen for, mm -hmm. for at the wrong situation. You don't want to put nothing in nobody's face and make yourself a target. <laughs> oh. You get what I mean? So it's just, it's a, it's a fucked up position to put yourself in the middle of, mm -hmm. to like, see, knowing what you came from and knowing where you trying to go. Exactly. And then, but I ain't never been no type of person where it's like, I wanted to be seen for what I had. I mm -hmm. want to be known for what I do. For what you do. Now, when it comes to the business side of things, though, Carlos, 
how do you feel being a businessman with your talent? Because you got a lot of people out here that are looking for work. Right. And you got some people out here who are creating work. Well, this is the, the most important thing I've learned is having your business straight will make you money. Exactly. You get what I mean? It's like you don't have to have a certain amount of money to go talk to an accountant. Exactly. You need to do that shit before all the money comes. Exactly. You need to go talk to a lawyer while, while you can afford one. Exactly. <laughs> when you to, you don't want to go looking for no lawyer when you got a $5 million deal on the table. You want you want you want to exactly. build that relationship before you get to that point. So having all your business in order, it, it really makes people handle you as business. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's why I try to avoid a whole lot of them. Hey man, how much you charging for a show? It's like <laughs> that ain't even I'm not doing that no exactly. more. I've, I've graduated to another level. Now if you really want me for a show, you can call this person, my exactly. agent, or you can call my manager and send a deposit and send a contract. Exactly. And, you know, the month, a lot of, like street business, the deposit is the contract. And that's why you <laughs> see a lot of people online like, that nigga owe me, that nigga owe me. Like, nah, bro. Mm. I mean, when you get to looking at the paperwork, like technically, you owe him. Exactly. Because you didn't read the contract. Oh my God. Oh my, you ain't never lied about that, Carlo. And, you, and that's the one thing I hate about, like, you know the entertainment industry is seeing how they can get us yeah. and they, they don't just get the rappers they get the singers they get the actors they get the comedians they yeah. get the everybody everybody lead the game bro you hear what i mean like like i brought up 99 and 2000 remember cash money records said they coming over they they the cash money millionaire exactly. not many niggas went broke trying to keep up with the cash money millionaires a bunch of them go watch some videos everybody was good Exactly. Exactly. Everybody was rich. My but God. them niggas was rich for real. They steal the millionaires. Exactly. They, they about four of them niggas left. Exactly. <laughs> what Jay-Z said, ain't nobody really moving units but M, Pimp, Juice, and us. Come on. He was not lying. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, they still moving units. You ain't never lied about that. Speaking of them units being moved, man, I mean, talk about the merch and then just, you know, the branding of the 85 South Show and just how y'all turned that into a other, another revenue stream, but then also as a way for your fans and supporters to be able to get down with the movement. That's the number one thing about it, though. It's like the merch ain't, ain't a, it's not, we never looked at the merch like a check. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? The merch was... I need something to put my hand on. Mm. I need, like I said, People need to be able to touch you. Exactly. They need to feel like they're a part of your movement. So yep. they can say, I remember when y'all had them t-shirts. Come on. I rem I've been, this is how long I've been down. So it's like the merch is a reference point. And then when you got some dope ass merch, <laughs> and, you got, and it ain't just, you know, it ain't Come just on. a Come on. one of the ones you could just go grab Come and everybody them through their print on it. It's like, like you said, handling business and it take time and going through the process. But once you learn the process, you get a certain standard of quality, and that's what you want. Exactly. Because anybody could go buy a hoodie and throw a print on it. Yeah. But it's like when you look and you see we got our own tags. Exactly. We got our own packaging, and it show up nice in your mailbox. And when you come home and it's sitting on the porch and you come see on. that logo, you like, that's it. Can. Yeah. So now, they say all comedians have a dog side, Carlos. When you ain't laughing and telling jokes, uh, you somewhere acting a goddamn fool. Yeah, that's the that's the craziest part about being a comedian, bro. It's like sometimes you say some of the best shit, yeah. and you have to try to figure it out. Like this shit was so 
great. I shouldn't I shouldn't even be talking to y'all yeah. right now. <laughs> Just a million dollar joke. But yeah, I don't necessarily know if I have a dark side. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't ever want to see me mad or no shit like that. Isn't it? But um, I've seen a lot of lot of comedians who do have a dark side, and it's not necessarily that they, you know, have a dark side to the point where they practicing witchcraft or that. But you know, shit, the tongue is more powerful than the sword. Yeah, the tongue is mightier than the sword. So yeah. that's the dark side that people always refer to as like you don't want to. You don't want to fuck with this type of person because yeah. he can say something that could that could really impact you for the next <laughs> years. <laughs> really have you reevaluating yourself. Comedians, we real unfiltered. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes we hit that nerve that a lot of people living in that safe space where they don't have to hear nothing that they don't like. Yeah. Or don't nobody never tell them who they really are or what they how how they make people feel. Exactly. Hey man, you an asshole. Yeah. But they just, you know, like you said, people have to be in certain spaces where they just be tolerated, and nobody had had that to be able to say, "This is what, this is how you make people feel. Mm -hmm. This is you." Mm -hmm. We really get to hold the mirror up to society, yeah. And that's the dark side because a lot of people don't want to hear that real shit. My God! So now, along your journey, what were the life lessons that you picked up along the way that enabled you to keep going? Like I said earlier, ain't no right or wrong way to do shit. Stand on your decisions and be comfortable with whatever comes out of it. Mm -hmm. um, nobody owes you nothing. You, the game is so cold and lonely. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Break down the cold and lonely part, though, Carlo. Because it's just like a lot of people, like you said, like money or things or material things or living in a certain place. These, you know, just like Instagram. People see all this shit on Instagram and think that if you have this car and this girl and you dress like this and you live like this and you eat this and you go here and you hang here and these your friends, it's like they think this is all it takes to make you happy. Mm. But none of that, like, don't none of that shit apply to you. Mm -mm. You get what I'm saying? I'm it's you. like happiness comes from the inside. Yeah. And if you can't make yourself happy, can't nobody else do it, can't no amount of money do it, can't no success do it. Like, it's a lonely ass world. <laughs> it start with you. And if and if you ain't right, ain't none of the other shit gonna be right. Do you feel like that success makes you lonely, man? And uh, cause I cause I'm gonna ask you this. Coming out of Mississippi, how many folks could you bring with you? You see what I'm saying? That know you know you that was in that sandbox with you but think about this think mm -hmm. of how many motherfuckers you would try to go get and say i got us trust me and they won't even go mm. i'm talking uh, until about, you get there no nah, they won't even go you know when people get successful and they say grandma i bought you this house i don't want that house i've been living in this hood for 30 years but it's safe you don't have to worry <laughs> about that i don't have i'm safe here i i don't want i don't want to leave it's, it's, it's the comfort zone. Yeah. Everything ain't for everybody. Yeah. So the, what you do, you try to flip it and make that as as comfortable for grandma as you can. We'll put a fence up. Yeah. Hey, um, make sure you ride through here exactly. once or two times more. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you just have to try to accommodate mm -hmm. the accommodations. Exactly. Yeah. Being in the A town, man, I mean, how do you like it maneuvering in the A? Bro, I've been in Atlanta since 93. 
My, my Your dad, whole life? Okay. My dad, I'm not, not like off and on. Okay. I, I moved here in 2005. Okay. But since 1992, 93, yeah. I've been in Atlanta. Yeah. So this has always been my second home. Yeah. So when I came here and I came downtown and I started riding and I started hitting my partners and knowing how to get to their career without needing no GPS yeah. or no direction, it just started coming back and I was like, this feel right. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> How do you feel when I'm talking about the industry side, like you got the 85 South Show, you able to do all of that stuff based in the city, but then you can reach out to all of these different people at the same time in one place. What is that like networking and maneuvering in the A for you? Bruh, this is the craziest thing about the Atlanta network. And anybody who is, you like you, you yeah. in the Atlanta network and you know how small the world is. Small as hell. It's, and then it ain't necessary. It's not even a fluke. It's like you can meet a chick at, at Greenbrier. She'd be like, Blue baby, my cousin. <laughs> and she might say this for seven months. And be yeah. like, man, she did cap until you see her on Instagram <laughs> when on Christmas. Baby. baby got like this. Like, Damn, that was the plug the whole time. But the Atlanta network yeah, yeah. is. Bro, everybody live in Atlanta or got a spot in Atlanta. Yeah. Your favorite wrestler. Shit. Your favorite rapper, <laughs> your favorite movie star, everybody be in here, bro. That's true. So it's like to keep your name good in the street, you you plugged into. It ain't yeah. really, it ain't really no whole lot of struggling if you play it right. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's my dog. Yeah, Let me hit Beehive. Yeah, let me hit such and such. Yeah, to let them know that I don't need shit, but What's I'm coming. Happening? I'm exactly. Working. I'm gonna need that interview. Exactly. I'm gonna need that feature. I'm gonna need one of them beats. Come on. I'm gonna need one of them cold ass outfits. Whew. I'm gonna need, you know what I mean? It's like, Facts. we got everything here. And this is literally the Black Hollywood. People get mad when we say the Black Hollywood. <laughs> I don't know why. It is what it is. Bro, think about it. Atlanta is the one spot mm -hmm. everybody gotta go. You gotta go to Atlanta. Facts. It is this black Hollywood. It ain't Hollywood. <laughs> nigga, it's black Hollywood. It's black niggas all we, over we the place. We got a black man who got a whole, got, he got his own movie studio right there. In the middle of the hood. In the middle of the hood. We could be shooting a movie, go get a QP and a barbecue sandwich <laughs> in the same neighborhood. That ain't black Hollywood. <laughs> Hell yeah, it is. Man, they shooting the young and the restless and menace to society right here. Oh Come my on, God! Bro. This is Black Hollywood. You don't believe me? Right downtown, about two, three in the morning. They hey. shooting. They shooting X Men and everything around here. That's real. Now, what was the best piece of advice that you received from an OG in the game, though, Carlo? The best piece of advice I received from an OG. Will my granddaddy be considered an OG? You could throw him in there. Man, my granddaddy told me. He said, "Man, just keep doing what you're doing." Ooh. To keep doing what you're doing. And don't never stop doing what you're doing because something going to stick. Mm. Something going to stick, bro. That's why I tell people, man, if you got any kind of talent, I don't give a damn what it is, nigga. You could be building birdhouses, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Don't never stop. People get A lot of people get talked out of their talent. Yeah. Just by hanging around the wrong folks. Oh, man, I'm going to hear that shit. Yeah, shit. You might, not be the, you might not be the shit in your neighborhood yeah. in Phoenix, Arizona. Your yep. shit might not pop off until you move to Black Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Now I'm with you on that. So now what advice do you got 
for that little guy coming up saying that he wants to be a comedian. He's watching the 85 South show. He follows Carlos Miller. And he said he's seen the stand up on TV and he like, man, I want to do what that guy's What doing. advice would I give him? Yeah. Okay. Let me break the third wall. Mm -hmm. Just because you seen how I did it mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I did it right. Ooh. I did it what was right for me. Come on now. I want you to take everything that you seen me do. If I had any type of influence or impact on on your career, just mm. know that every every decision that I made wasn't the right one. Mm. But I stood on them. Whether they was good, bad, got me fired, or got me disliked <laughs> or thrown out the room, I stood on them. And I ain't never had to, you know what I mean, go back against myself or second guess myself. Go with your first mind. What was the decision that you realized was wrong after you made that thing, Carlo? <laughs> it's a lot of I ain't do it all right, man. You know, sometimes I could have I could have not been as abrasive or as brash. I could have not said that the way I said that. Yeah. I could have went along with what everybody else went along with. Mm -hmm. That's probably one of the things that made me stand out the most about the Wild and Out shit is I was always the one who said exactly how I felt Ooh. when I felt it. That ain't necessarily always the best approach. Facts. You get what I mean? Because we in a whole industry. Don't nobody really care about your feelings. <laughs> Can you speak on the entertainment industry and just the people in it too in the same way? Because, you know, we got black Hollywood, but then also just having to navigate this shit. Because there's a lot of cap out here. There's a lot of real out here. There's a lot of fake out here. There's a lot of crazy out here. There's a lot of cool out here. It's a too little bit of everything. Talk I think to it's me. too much real. Break it down. It's too many people trying to get in the industry based off realness. The Ooh. industry don't don't thrive off of realness. Ooh. You remember the Dave Chappelle sketch? When, when keeping, keeping it, it real goes, goes wrong. wrong. Yeah. While you don't need to be real all the time. Everybody don't, like I just was saying, don't nobody really need to know how you really feel. Exactly. Sometimes you gotta let it go. Don't put your, everything don't require for you to feel no type of way about it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Lastly, Carlos, what you got coming up next? And is there anything that you wanna let these folks know, man? Mm, what I got coming up next? Well, you know I did drop. I don't like to call it a comedy special. Yeah. Because we're in the middle of a pandemic and it wasn't, it's not like I could get out there and actually give these people the show that they used to seeing. Yeah. But I did drop this, this a uh, comedy special called By Any Means. Yeah. By Any Means. B-U-Y. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it really just one of those things, like you said, that I was thinking about while I was, like, in my bag trying to come up with how can I put out something. Yeah. It's been a year. Shit. I got to do a show. I've been at the house for eight, nine months. I went out to North Carolina and did a, you know, I was outside. Cold as hell yeah. on stage, but I did the drive-in show and they came out. So I got the, that's out. It's been doing real well. About to drop that on um, Amazon Prime. Too. Yeah, yeah. But we dropped it straight independent. On, exactly. Um, Ain't nothing wrong with that. Got the link all in my social media. So that's, I've been working and pushing that. We got the merch line coming for By Any Means. I got some Ooh. billboards that we about to drop down. Okay, then. To promote that 85 South show. We still dropping that each and every Friday. Yeah. Um. Shit, they talking about bringing the show back? Wilding out? Yeah, I thought they were. They talking about it. Fuck that. Bring it back and let's crank that bitch up. They talking about it, man. You know what I'm saying? So that, um, shit, we waiting on the world to open back up so we can get back on tour. We're doing a few spot dates with uh, Mike Mike Epps, me, 
uh, DC, Country Wayne. Uh, yeah. You know, that 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 roster changes I mean, depending on availability. Shout out to some more, too. Yeah. A um, lot of comedians out there. We working the tour, uh, 85 South episodes. Uh, man, we just out here. We dropping media and content. Black and Effect Network. Yeah. Talk to me about streaming on there. Shout out, shout out to Charlemagne. What up, though, uh, Charlemagne? <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, it's a collective of, uh, you know, like I said, black podcasts and content creators. Exactly. And we're just trying to push it all up into one spot. Yeah. And it ain't just comedy. It's a whole lot of lot of things going on over there with the black effect. Charlemagne had to had the brain child to put it all together and was like, we need a section of this whole internet where we can watch black people cook, talk exactly. shit, rap, sing, dance, karaoke, trivia, true crime. So we really want to just open up the whole platform to black creators. Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm gonna give them your number. You you've been dropping some hits. <laughs> I was, some hits over here. Man. Actually, you ask the type of questions that niggas want to hear. You get what I'm saying? I talked to that boy Charlemagne last week, man, and that yeah. man dropped some positive motivation on me, and I didn't even see it coming, Carlo. And it warmed my heart, and I gotta salute you, Charlemagne, for that because you got me back on my game with that conversation too, brethren. <laughs> so salute, salute, salute to you on that. But lastly, though, Carlo, man, I wish you nothing but the best and much success. Thank you, my brother. How can Not these folks? Too. How can they contact you though? Hey, man, you can hit me on anything. I'm all I'm all over social media. Social media is the oil for this whole machine. Yeah, because people need to be in touch with you. Like I said, they got to be able to touch you. Yeah, and at least. You know, call you ugly every nine days. <laughs> <laughs> and as an entertainer, you have a social responsibility to yep. get back out there and talk to them fans. I, I was talking on Twitter the other day. A lot of fans, you know, saying that they don't even like to talk to people who celebrities or got the blue check because ain't nobody hitting them back. Damn. So I'm going to start getting on all these platforms and telling all my partner now to hit hit your fans back. I can they they really want to hear that. So we got a, I got a lot of things coming. I don't know when the world going to open back up. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just letting everybody know. I'm going to try to get it to you as safely as I possibly can. I'm linking with B-Hounds. I'm shit. here for I, it. I want to come up in here and peep game and do one of them joints with you and Wicked. Or, oh, whatever y'all need. Whatever y'all need, bro. If you need a co-host for a couple of these joints, hey. hit me. I got you. We gonna Carlo, be. don't start now. Won't be nothing, Carlo. Bruh, that's the whole point of this shit is the Broaden up the network and bring everybody through here. Exactly. Man. I'm here for it. Beehive Radio Shouty, Carlos Miller. We'll holler at y'all in a minute, man. We go. Yeah, dude.